This time on Culture File, a familiar voice in a slightly unfamiliar place. We last heard from Jennifer Walsh with her latest Things Know Things piece for us, in which we learned that the composer and vocalist was back on the road for some post-pandemic music-making. But her other recent news is that she's been appointed Professor of Composition at Oxford. What will that involve? asked Culture File. For me, the most important thing is to all be in the room together and making sound. That is absolutely core, is just getting everybody in the same room. And so wherever I've taught, that's been key to what I do. Also, um, it's really fun to, to be able to sort of view music not as some abstract combination of frequencies, but also as something that's living and breathing in a culture and that is changing all the time. And even the music that was written 100 or 500 years ago is changing, you know, within the culture that we live in now and the way we think about it and perform it um, is changing. So that's what makes it really, really exciting. And, and I'm really, you know, I'm excited to, to sort of dig into a lot of that at Oxford. You talked about uh, Meredith Monk as one of your sort of uh, germinal influences. And as somebody who kind of could negotiate this kind of passing between uh, sort of fine art and music. Well, I certainly don't think I'm a pioneer in that, you know, there's been loads of people before me like Meredith Monk. Um, but also I would say Tony Conrad, who was a really close collaborator of mine. You know, Tony was making film, was doing musical performances, you know, was doing public access television, homework, helplines, you know, was writing books, was doing all of these different things. And and in a way, it's sort of, it feels really old school because it's like being a renaissance, you know, sort of a renaissance person where, you know, you, you're interested in lots of different things. You know, we're more used to the idea of an artist who does lots of different things and works in lots of different mediums. We're a little less used to that in music, but I'm lucky in that having seen the work of people like Laurie Anderson or Meredith Monk, the most important thing is just, it's trying to have the patience to figure out what is the right way to make the piece, being open to the fact that sometimes the piece maybe makes more sense as a book or makes more sense as an album or makes more sense as a performance and just trying to have the patience. It's not exactly that you're a new arrival in the academy like you have been working with students for a long time, but I wonder, does it signify a particular moment in, in contemporary music that somebody like you who has as, as strong a record in, in fine art or, or in visual art or as in music now is in charge of composition or is uh, is speaking from the chair of composition. The response that people had to the appointment that I've seen on social media or just, you know, in conversation with people has been very much that it seems significant that an institution like with this, like Oxford has this huge history attached to it. It has a certain image attached to it. So the idea that, that they're notion of composition is something that they want to expand. They want somebody who's interested in uh, free improvisation and uh, performance and video and AI. That signifies a shift. Because certainly, you know, I, I taught at Brunel University and I've been, uh, for the last three years, I've been teaching at the University of Music and the Performing Arts in Stuttgart. Uh, they were all institutions that were open, you, you know, open to, to sort of opening up the definition. 
you know, it's got a reputation attached to it that the most of the people who've taught there up to now have not taught the sort of work that I do. So I think my attitude was either they'll want me for me, you know, and I have to be 100% me. I, I, if in fact, if I'm not 100% me, I'm in big trouble because if they don't hire me for me, then, you know, everybody, it'll all end in tears for every single person involved, including me. I guess it also influences the type of students who will want to be there. My sort of experience, you know, as a student was that the best sort of teachers are the teachers who teach students regardless of, you know, what, what sort of aesthetic they're interested in. They're open, but also that they nudge people to sort of enrich their, their vision of what could happen. So my teachers, you know, like I think of like Amnon Valman, who is one of my most important teachers, you know, his attitude was very much like you have a certain aesthetic that you are interested in doing that is you. We have to figure out how you feel comfortable doing that. But I'm going to expose you to a lot of different stuff along the way so that you're always being challenged. And I do think that a lot of composers now have grown up, you know, they grew up with YouTube. Their, their way, they have a visual, a very visual um, understanding of what music is because they watch documentations all the time rather than listen to CDs. And a lot of young composers, when they Google composers, they don't Google them. They go to YouTube and search for them in YouTube. And they'll happily watch a terrible recording, but that it's a documentation of a performance. They prefer to watch that than listen to a SoundCloud track because, you know, they like to see what's happening in the piece. So I definitely think it's not just me. It's also a lot of other composers interested um, in dabbling in this and some of them going deep and some of them just trying things out. Your creative work involves an awful lot of the research process. I mean, you know, an incredible amount of interviews as well as computer programming and technological innovation. All the time. Well, I, I'm just interested in stuff. And I think I also, when I was younger, I had a lot of mentors and they were always reading books. They always were following strange wild goose chases about certain things. Um, and it all got synthesized into the work in strange ways. So if you're a composer, you know, my research is, you know, can I make a fictional archive of Irish avant-garde music? You know, that's, that's my, my research. So when you're a musician and you work in this way, the classroom is really, really a fun place because it's a lab where you can try out a lot of ideas, but they're, they're performative ideas or they're creative ideas. And a lot of questions and a lot of issues arise from that process that lead to discussions about architecture or infrastructure or materials in built, used in buildings or memory or colonialism or, you know, uh, city design. But it all unfurls out from making at the core. You're very um, intensely programmed now, but uh, when will people next get to see, hear, experience you in Ireland? Well, I'm really excited because a piece that we just did the premiere of about two weeks ago in Oslo uh, with Andreas Beauregard and the Oslo Sinfonietta uh, will be performed in Ireland in April as part of New Music Dublin, where Andreas does an eight-minute one of the most virtuosic things I've ever seen somebody do, an eight-minute monologue about Britney Spears where physically he embodies every magazine cover. I'm very excited. It's, it's always wonderful when you do these projects and you know that they're going to come home and that audiences at home will see them. So um, I'm, really, I'm really happy. It's called Personhood. Oh, that sounds great. But he doesn't play any accordion in it then? He no. does. He plays a little bit right. of accordion, but okay. mostly he's, he's doing a lot of physical stuff because he wanted me to write him a piece that would really, really push him. 
Had you written a piece before? He was at New Music Dublin a couple of years back, wasn't he? He was. Yeah. In fact, my family in Ireland, my parents, the last live concert that they saw before the lockdown began, before the pandemic began, was Andreas in the concert hall doing another piece I wrote for him called Self-Care. Became a big word. <laughs> yeah, exactly, which became an important word and concept <laughs> and philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. All you need to do is give me 200 of their likes. Then I know them better than their romantic girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever. I just need 200 of the likes. That's what I need. That's Jennifer Walsh and the National Symphony Orchestra there. The little snippet from Jennifer Walsh's symphony, The Site of the Investigation, performed actually at New Music Dublin back in 2019. And just before that, you heard Culture File with Jennifer talking to Luke. And uh, if you'd like to hear an extended version of that conversation, uh, we'll put it out as a Culture File podcast. So just subscribe to Culture File via the Classic Drive homepage on the Lyric website or at Apple Podcasts, if you like, or wherever you get uh, your podcasts.